Oh boy, this week we have reigning Bassmaster Classic champion Jason Christie. And he's going to talk about some stuff that you've never heard him talk about before. This week on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome friends, family, freeloaders, and fishing freaks. The Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. I'm Dave Mercer, and welcome back, all of our humpers that tune in week after week. You guys are incredible. This is episode 52, which means for over a year, it's just been me and you talking, and thank you. Thank you for growing this show into what it is. A year ago, we had 35,000 followers. Now we're kind of creeping up on 82,000 followers. Thank you. So if you don't already, subscribe and like and do all that stuff that helps make uh, me social media cool. Speaking of cool, the coolest cat on the water lately has been Jason Christie. Um, He is your reigning and defending Bassmaster Classic champion. And as this show drops, um, we are just a few hours away from starting the Chickamauga event. Stop four of the Bassmaster Elite Series. I'm not here at all. I'm actually on the road. Um, But right now, when I'm recording this, I'm here. So I thank you for listening to this show. You've probably heard Jason Christie on a bunch of different podcasts, but I can guarantee you this show goes in a whole different direction that you may never have heard before in the past. And um, it's a show I'm looking forward to. I mean, uh, watching Christy win the Classic was incredible. Um, and I got a bunch of questions for him since then that I've that I've wanted answered. And I think we'll get the answers right now. Well, we won't if I keep talking. So I'll stop talking so we can bring in our guest. The reigning and defending Bassmaster Classic champion, one of the most feared names of professional bass fishing from Park Hill, Oklahoma, Jason Christie. Bassmaster Classic champion, Jason Christie. And uh, I asked you, wait, wait till the, the request slow down a little bit. And I'm thankful to have you here tonight. But have you had a chance to like chill out and realize that you are the Bassmaster Classic champion yet? Dude, it's been, this has been crazy. Like I've been so busy uh, that I've been lacking on, on normal stuff. I just can't, I can't get caught up. I can't get caught up on phone calls. I can't get caught up. I finally took Sunday and uh, hired some kids and we got all of my yard work done. Um, just cause I knew I was leaving for Santee or not for Santee, but for chick. And by the time we get back, it'd be this tall, but man, it was, uh, it's slowing down, you know, a good bit, but it's just crazy. Like how much different it is now. Uh, just the schedule. I mean, everybody wants this and, that, and I want to give everybody, you know, their fair share. So, uh, I mean, I've done podcast from will and bill and south louisiana to i mean i've done i'm doing a canadian podcast now i mean it's all over so uh but it's you know i I wouldn't trade it for the world man it's uh things are slowing down i just i think with santee being directly almost after the event yeah no i thought it would be a chance to kind of catch your breath but really it was just it let everything build up you know, after that, I mean, it, you know, when we got home, it was just for a week. Uh, just that next week was either on the phone. We got home at 10 o'clock 
Monday night drove through a monsoon after Santee and I had to be at the news station an hour away at eight o'clock the next morning. So, and it's been that way since we've been home. Do you remember like how much of the classic, the actual, like what, what do you remember? Cause, cause even for me and, and all I do is host it, you know what I mean? Like it's such an, I say this every year. It's, it's the only thing that I consistently underestimate, you know what I mean? And then, once it's done, you're, you, it's like you hit a wall. But And I'm just emceeing the freaking thing. I, I, what is the recovery like for, for you? Was it for you? And, and what do you remember of the classic at this point? I mean, I remember it. But what, you know, I've said this in several interviews. I remember it. But it feels like it was five years ago. And I don't know why it is. You know, it just, it's. It just seems like it's been so long ago. And what's it been? Three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Not long at all. And and yeah, I remember it. Like, but I have to. It was. It's not like it happened uh, recently. And that that's just weird to me. Um, there was. It just. There was a flash. You know. It seemed like the tournament was forever long. And then from the weigh-in till late late Sunday night. <laughs> late Sunday night into well Monday morning, it was just a flash. And then it's just been slow ever since then. So, um, yeah, it's really weird. And, and I remember everything up to, I remember everything, but it, it feels like the time I pulled into the arena until late Sunday night was really just a dream, you know, like, like I, I was, I really wasn't there, but I remembered. I don't know. I, I know people think that I'm crazy, but it, it's just a really weird feeling. And and what people don't realize, you realize it, but of what goes on, like you know, people watch live and they see us fishing, and then we're pulling into the arena. Yeah, it's not. I mean, we're fishing. We're loading up. You're driving there. You're getting pulled over here to do this. You're getting pulled over there to do that. You're trying to get in line. You get in the arena. You get on stage, and all of that crazy stuff happens. And then we go to the back. What do they call it? Recovery. The decompression room. Decompression room for. And it was weird because nobody said a word in the decompression room. I was just spent. And then we go to the press conference, and then you know we end up, dude. I end up at two thirty. You ain't gonna believe this. I end up at two thirty in the morning. Monday morning, fishing off of a boat dock on Lake Hartwell. What? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So one of my friends, uh, a good <laughs> friend of mine, he, he works for me like when I'm gone and just take, just a good kid. Well, him and his girlfriend forever had scheduled to go to that classic um, because it was my first one back and stuff. And they just wanted to experience it firsthand. Well, you know how it, where we ended up, at the champagnes, toast and stuff like that. So he drove me home and he loves to fish. And we were staying on the banks of Hartwell and the dock that I could see had a green light. And I hadn't obviously been on the dock or made a cast or anything all week. And when we got back, he drove me home. We got home at 1.30. And the first thing he did is go, he goes and gets a spin rod out of the boat. And we're down there on the dock. I made about two casts and I'm like, what am I doing? So I put the, Fishing pole down, and I let him. Uh, I let him fish, and he caught several of them. And it was typical Hartwell. He saw we saw about twenty, and he caught three or four. You know, they're pretty smart. 
But uh, I think we end up rolling into bed 2.30, 3 o'clock, something like that. But I do have one more thing about the, you asked me about how much I remember. You were on the stage when all of it went down. And after we got, I think it was the next morning, Shannon and I were sitting in the house and she goes, could you believe, she said something about the confetti. Like, could you believe how much confetti there was? It's like, I couldn't even see you. And I looked at her and I was like, there wasn't any confetti. <laughs> and she goes, no, there was. I said, there wasn't, there wasn't any. Like I never saw any of it. And she showed me a picture and it looked just, you know what I mean? You're covered in it. Yeah, but that's how, that's how like, I don't know, it was just a, it was a weird experience. Uh, like I didn't even remember the confetti being on there. Wow. So. It, it, as it all goes down, it's a weird experience to even be up there for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're you're achieving something that it's that you've dreamed of your whole life. And then you're still trying to like I'm trying to direct traffic with you. I'm trying to direct traffic with Hank to do the handoff. And it's funny. And, and I'm I feel like a jackass because Hank's trying to say whatever motivational words you say when you hand off the trophy. Um and I'm yelling, hey, make sure you go to the X, go to the X, because I got people yelling at me to make sure you're there. It, it, it's just such an, but it's so, and I, I think it's weirder than anything you experience in your life, really. Like, I mean, it's like the world's biggest surprise party that you don't know you're, you know what I mean? You're going in there and you're like, this could be a traumatizing event <laughs> or yeah. this could be the greatest thing ever. Um, yeah. And the cool thing I think is, uh, we all know, we've, everybody's talked about it. I'm tired of talking about it, but I've experienced both of that. You know, I remember yeah. walking off the stage and stepping over your body when you were screaming for somebody else. And and uh, I think that was a big part of it. You know, I, I've talked about it. That's what motivated me to get up in the mornings, you know, for an elite series event. That's what motivated me when I got home to go out here fishing to learn more and more and more. And all, you know, you you build up and you build up and in literally one second, when those numbers flash on the screen, it's just all released. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, uh, I don't know. There was just a lot of different, a lot of different things going through my mind and, uh, you know, a lot of different emotion and stuff. But the biggest thing is you're just like, gosh, I finally did it. And then immediately, you know, I remember being in the big, big impression room, like, what now, you know, uh, and I don't make, I don't mean that disrespectful to anything, the trophy or the classic or anything like that. It's just like, gosh, we got to find something else to go after again, you know, and I'll, yeah. I'll see everybody's like, well, just number two. Well, it just ain't that easy. You know, do you worry about that? Cause that, that is one thought that, that I've, thought about with you i'm like you have been driven so much and i and i think i really understood how driven you were going into the classic but but when i watched you win it i even understood it more you know what i mean like the, it's the coolest thing about my job that i get to stand beside you guys at the greatest moments and, and also the tough moments but like there's a feeling you feel and what and i you know watched it all unfold and you could just tell how much that event has motivated you. Do you do you worry that now that you've accomplished it? And I know the right answer is, yeah, of course I don't worry about that. There's lots more to do. But do you worry that 
you know, you've had this carrot that you've been chasing for so long and you've worked even harder to get back and get a shot at that. And now you've accomplished it. Do you worry that you don't have a carrot to chase anymore? You know, I, I really would, if, if I had to answer that question, I would say, no, there's so much to go after, you know, there's, there's things outside of fishing. I don't mean, what I mean is not trophies, you know, there's things that I could do around here, you know, and and we already do that kids, you know, um, just getting people involved, do things for, to give back to the sport. But yeah, like I felt it at, at Santee, you know, we go to a lake that I've never been on and I've dreamed of going there and it was just different. You know, after you've been to the classic and I, gosh, I, I'm saying this as humbly as I can. When you've been to the classic and you drive to take off yeah, and there's four or 5,000 people on the bank and then you go fishing, the cameras everywhere, people following you, people yelling at you in a good way. Then you pull into arena with 15,000 or how many thousand people in there and everybody's yelling and there's invisible confetti falling and all the time. And then you get done and then literally what six days later we go to another event and it was just like i don't know it was just way less than what it was at the classic you know what i mean yeah like there wasn't anything about it and i'm just like you know i want to see some i want i want to go crazy again and that's but i think that's how high i was at the classic and then to come back so low um at santee and you know, I had Jake again the first day at Santee, and and uh, he ended up texting me after the event. I told him, I was like, dude, I was, I don't know that you knew it, but I was just, I wasn't there. You know, I, my mind is still somewhere else, and and he's like, oh, no, I knew it. He goes, I could see it. Um, but, yeah, it'll, I think being home, I've only went fishing um, a half a day. I took my dad crappie fishing, but I think, just recharging a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of focused on what's ahead and, and to know that there's still a lot of things out there to accomplish a lot of things, but I will, I promise you, I will have nothing. I will have, I'm going to rephrase it. I will have something to fish for um, each and every tournament. I just seemed like I took one off. So I'll find yeah. something to fish for. And, and I don't think you should apologize for for, for what you said there, like you're saying, I'm trying to say this as humbly as possible. I think it's normal. I think if people, I think a lot of times in media, people won't say stuff like that because they're worried what people will say. Oh, what an elite isn't, but you can't expect me as an MC. I feel that at the next event. And we had a giant crowd at Santee, you know, and I'm thankful for that, but it's still, that that's what makes the classic so special. And I think about that kind of every day of the classic, I try to stay in that space space where I'm like, you, know, you get to the last day and you're just trying to hold on to your voice and whatever. And, you know, it's like you guys, you try not to run out of fish. I'm trying not to run out of voice. Yeah. And, and, but I'm always thinking, I'm like, come Monday, we're all normal again. This is, this is the greatest three days in our sport. Um, speaking of which I felt at this year's classic before you won, just coming into this classic, I felt like you and not just you, there were several anglers um, and, and, and guys who are, have come back that were in that classic 
that I felt like had a totally different vibe. You, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like our field is so weird right now because we still have people that are fishing their first few classics and they're partying at the classic. And then, uh, then you, it didn't look like you did any partying until the last day at all. Like, I mean, it, it, was I reading that right? You absolutely, I mean, you're a hundred percent dead on. And, and, uh, I think the best way I can explain that or, or to kind of to validate that is, you know, we're in practice. We haven't even started practice for the classic, maybe because Shannon and I got to Hartwell five days before practice started. We went straight from Florida to Hartwell. Okay. So I could be on the bank and watch, uh, everything that was going on in the lake, meaning the weather, you know, just get a feel for the lake, you know, and it's like Wednesday and she's like, you're not in a good mood. So what's wrong with you? And I said, Hey, I'm in a great mood. I'm just, this classic is, is on my mind. And she's like, well, we've been at other classics and you weren't like this. I was like, well, this one's different, you know? And it was like, I had a totally different attitude um, the whole week before. And during the, and during practice, like it was, it was a hundred percent business. And, uh, and it was, it was the whole time, but even she noticed it, you know, I don't think I was, I think I was serious from, from the time I left Florida, because as soon as we got in the truck in Florida, I started watching old classics or old tournaments at Hartwell. And, uh, you know, a lot of people probably think, well, you're watching to get, I'm watching to know what the other people are watching. So I know not what to do. You know what I mean? Cause I know all the other people are watching. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did is, is try to do something. Uh, I wanted to see what they would see, but anyway, my point is, is a hundred percent focused the whole time. Um, I felt like, and, and, uh, it was totally different. And, you know, I saw that in Hackney's eyes. I think Hackney yeah. was zoned in pretty good. And, you know, at the, at the champagne's toast, the last person that I expected to see at the champagne's toast was Hackney just because it's, you know, I kind of figured he would go on down the road and get to where he was going and he shows up and, uh, literally he just walks up to me. He looks at me with that half grand Cajun, whatever it is. And he looks at that trophy and he looks at me, he does that about 10 times. He goes, uh, you know, I'm pretty jealous. Right. And I was like, Oh, I know. And uh, he he had that look in his eye. And I'm telling you, there were several guys that had that. Um, you know, Kyle, he, you could tell he had it in his eyes, too. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt it. I, I really felt that vibe from you, from Hackney, from Swindle. You know, there was, but it really, yeah. it, it almost felt like to me, like, Boy, you don't know what you got till you miss it. You know what I mean? Like it, the best way to refocus is to not be there for like I, I found even just the way Swindle fished, like for him to be away from the bank where in this tournament on paper, everybody would expect him to be on the bank and how he traditionally fishes. But I just a really mature game. Like there was game plans to win this tournament, whether it were it worked for one guy, obviously. But, but you know what I mean? Like, I just felt a different vibe. And, and is that, do you think that is from being away from it? Yeah, I think there's, that's a two-part answer. One was being away from it. And one was going and working the classic <laughs> at, where were they at? Houston? 
Uh, Last the, year? Yeah, the summer classic. Yeah, we were uh, we were in um, Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah. Going on watching that classic and watching these guys flip bushes and stuff, you know. So I missed a couple, and then I I go work one, and I the whole time I'm watching what I'm missing. They're flipping bushes, they're throwing frogs and stuff, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, and. And yeah, I mean that, and that's what started the whole process, you know, throughout the entire year last year, and and uh, yeah, the entire season. I mean, I felt like, other than a bomb or two, uh, you know, an outstanding season, and then it just it just it worked right into the classic. I mean, it's just people. The classic doesn't start preparation for the classic doesn't start on Friday or the week before. I mean, it starts. It's just what you, or that's what I thought about. Yeah. Until I won. It's just, you know, the, you know, the little bait that I caught him on. Dude, I've kept that secret for five or six years, knowing that sometime I'm going to be in the classic and I'm going to get to use that. So it, that's just what it's all about. Uh, I don't know. I, I've talked to so many people. I don't remember who I've told this, but so many times when I was playing ball, you know, out there hours and hours shooting, you know, you always did the five, four, three, two, one. If you made it, you won the whatever, the championship. And if you missed it, you didn't. You got fouled and you got to shoot again. Uh, and that's how it was for me. Even last year, I mean, up until the classic, you'd be out here, I'd be out here fishing and I kind of feel myself losing focus and I'd be all right. You got 30 minutes till it's time to load up. You got to, you're, you got to catch two, three pounders to win. Can't tell you how many times I've done that. So the preparation for Hartwell started way, way, way back. I mean, it just forever ago. So riddle me this after a tough Santee, does that make you even tougher to deal with on the elite series this year? Just, just as far as like, I guess there's, I don't know if you ever fish this way, but you, I mean, you're going to fish to win every tournament. I mean, I think you try to do that as often as possible, but is that, you know, I don't know. Is angler of the year still an option? No, I think uh, with the bomb at Santee, it's probably out. You know, I, my biggest flaw as a fisherman is fishing the way that I do to win. I feel like every time. And that's why if you look at my results, you'll see, We'll just talk about last year, you know, 60, 50, five top 10s, you know, a 20, another top 10, and then a 80. Dude, that's just how I fish. Like, yeah. there's, there's no – at no point in the in the practice or during the tournament do I say, well, how, how can I go catch a, a limit? I might, ha I might go try to catch a keeper once if I got three or four big ones, you know, but I'm not – I don't ever lay up. And now I even have, I have a pass to do it even more. I'm in the classic for next year, you know, and, and uh, I can fish every tournament like that. Like I can just go and, and it happened at Santee, you know, I had a pretty good practice as far as just throwing a spinnerbait on the outside of the trees. And I was catching a lot of fish and catching some good ones, but I knew it was all wind related. And literally the last 30 minutes of practice, I did the absolute wrong thing that I needed to do. I picked up a frog and had five big bites and I was like, <laughs> done. You know, I, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, Cause I thought I had a chance to win doing that. And you know how you get lured into the rabbit hole. You just, you know, it's 
10, 30, you hadn't had a bite, and all of a sudden you catch a four, you lose a five, you you have a seven or eight blow up on it, and then you're like, well, I'm in, I'm all in now if I wasn't before. So, you know, it was just one of those events where I think there was a lot of things going on, and but that's how I'm going to fish the rest of the season. I mean, going to Chick, going anywhere we go, like I'm just – there's, there's no 50th or 40th really doesn't matter. You know, that, that makes you kind of scary. If you ask me, Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's I, I've never been in this position where I get to fish two thirds of the season. Just like I'm going to fish a jackpot every day. Will you, will you go pre-practice the classic now that you're in it? I, and I don't know, is that something you normally do? I never do it. And that's, I never pre-practice. The only time I've ever pre-practiced is whenever we came to Grand, just because it was so close, and and I I hadn't been there much lately. But um, I will probably there. You know, I'll probably catch an event that we're coming through there. I just want to go idle, uh, yeah. you know, and and scan and stuff like that. And and uh, I don't believe in pre-practice. That's that's anti me a hundred percent because I think. I think going into an event, you can have too much going on, too much yeah. in your mind. I think a guy needs a couple ideas and maybe a secondary, and that's it. Because if you get too many, after an hour with your A game, you're like, well, I'll go to B, C, and then you work all the way down. You don't give it enough chance. So, uh, But I probably will go take all of my rods out of my boat and just idle for two or three days. And that'll, be, that'll be it for me. Do you take all the rods out of your boat just to make sure you idle for two or three days? Yeah, because what happens, you idle over and you're like, yeah, it's December. They're not going to know that I was here a month ago. And you start fishing and then you lose all that idle time. So, uh, yeah. Well, what is the most you've had a chance to bring the trophy home and everything? What What's the most proud moment? I mean, everybody saw what happened on the stage, but I, I'm sure – and I always think about this. It's the truth about life. I mean, those minutes, those seconds on stage will flash through your head till your dying day. You'll always remember some of that. But probably from the classic, it'll be a bunch of stuff that none of us saw. But what what is the most proud moment for you bringing that trophy home? Um, I think the most proud moment that I can remember is, is uh, and it has nothing to do with the trophy really, is immediately after we come off stage after after we went off stage um we uh facetime my kids you know and they're in different places so it's not like they were together but we facetime them and and they were just i mean just bawling and and you know they'd be upset for a second and then because they weren't there and then they'd be like you know and they were they were so into it and and they followed it so tight and even the following week you know there you would see something come out in the media and they'd send it to me or they'd be talking about it but i think just being around them and then you know my parents were there uh at the event all three days shannon's parents were there so it was just it was kind of a home you know it just felt kind of like home but i think one of the coolest things is we we live on a i don't know eighth of a mile driveway and as soon as we turn in uh i mean there's signs all day. this is two weeks after the classic or three weeks we turn in there's signs all the way down the driveway you know i open it up and there's a banner in my garage there's beer and pizza on the table and balloons hell we just took the balloons down a few days ago so uh you know it was just all of that stuff 
like I said, it was just so much time between the classic and getting home. Yeah. Right. I won't forget any of it. Uh, I mean, there was just so much, I mean, they had a, they had a big digital banner going on in town here and I saw that. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it was crazy, but I think, I think when you share it with your family is when it means the most because they've been on the ride too, you know, uh, they, they've experienced, they know what I've been through and, and I know what they've been through. Heck, they, they, I have the easy job, you know, they had to sit and watch Bass live all day and know that we all lie. Yeah. Oh, you do. And I lie and I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, I like that you guys lie. It makes my job a lot better. Uh, yeah. Did you, you brought it up. So was that, I mean, I don't know what, what the, I mean, I, but there's no rules. I mean, we just add, we pay you a thousand dollars if you guys get it right. Um, and I, if that's one, if that's part of the plan to manage spectators or to manage. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, I've been told, I don't believe this, but I've been told by reliable sources that I'm usually two pounds light. Okay. Usually. Or so. So they had me in as 13 something. So we'll say I had 15 and three quarters in the last 30 minutes. I called twice. And you think about what, I mean, Jake knows, Jake's the only one that knows. I would literally run as fast as I could, shut down, make three flips, pull the trolling motor up and take off again. And Jake is the camera guy. He's the one entering in bass track. He yeah. doesn't have time to do any of that. You know, he's trying to catch everything on camera. So, um, and I was glad, you know, whenever we loaded up, Jake had asked me a few questions. And by the way, I listened to Jake's podcast and all I love him. He, he, he had everything, all of the facts that he stated were true, but they were just a little off as far as what day they might've happened or whatever. I never, just, just so you know, I, I wanted to have him on here tonight, but he's got busy with other podcasts lately. Oh, really? So it seems he's a big podcaster now. <laughs> I don't even what, what were we talking about? We were talking about what happened with the bass track and yeah. Jake filled him out. And then yeah. you listen to Jake's show. Yeah. But he, um, so anyway, he's just busy. And, and, but whenever I get in and I told myself I wasn't going to look at bass track, you know, and he told me, or he didn't tell me, but we're idling in. He goes, I thought I'd lost, you know, and I'm telling myself I didn't lose any fish. You know, you boated everything, you fished the way you want to, whatever. And just be prepared to lose because you didn't have that 20-pound day like you needed to win. And then Jake's over there, and he's got his earpiece in. And he goes, he t- and he hasn't said a word. He got so quiet about lunchtime. It was scary. Anyway, <laughs> he takes his earpiece out, and he says, what do you think you got, really got? And I said, it really doesn't matter, but probably 16 and a half. And he puts his earpiece back in, and he says, is there any way you can have 17? And when he said that, like I almost, like my gut just fell because I knew that he was talking to studio or Zona or whatever. And I knew that at least I was in the conversation. So after, I mean, I was just, that's whenever I got, I started getting really, really nervous. But then I get in the truck and I look at Bass Track and I'm driving back and, and I'm thinking, I'm going to text Shanna and tell her that it's going to be closer than Bass Track has it out, you know, and then I get thinking, well, Kyle, he's, he's usually that minus two or three. Uh, so anyway, I type, I typed the text out to her and I was like, 
no, I'm not going to send it. Let's just let them, you know, <laughs> I, I, I backed out of that. And I was kind of glad because, you know, they, their expectations after looking at Bass Track weren't here. And it was a surprise to all of them. And I think that made it even better. Shanna told me that my mom had convinced her that we had lost because Stetson had caught him and stuff like that. So it was, uh, yeah, I, I think that was one of the coolest parts is even the people close to me, they never, they didn't give up, but they were kind of expecting it not to go our way too, to see the surprise. Uh, I was surprised, but to see the surprise of everybody else, it was pretty cool. I, I really wish we would. And I mean, maybe we will. I, I, want, I know they'll never shut Bass Track down, but I wish they would make it. I don't know that that would help either. I, I, I wish they would make it so anglers can't look at it on the final day, even at the elites. But first three days, that's fine on the final day, just because I think to me, one day when you're all done doing this, I believe that your classic was more special than others because you you didn't know. And nobody in the and, and I've explained to other people, I'm like, when you win the classic, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, they're all fans of the sport. You're going to get an eruption from the crowd. But I looked out in the crowd. I seen people crying. I seen people, you know, and it wasn't the, here's the difference in the reaction. People sprang to their feet and jumped up and did whatever without even thinking about it. They were just that excited because, so I do think that's one of the most valuable things our sport has, and we need to protect it. Would would you be in favor of that? Like saying you can't look at Bass Track on the final day? Well, the easy fix of that is just shut it off at the first check-in time. I'd love that. You know what I mean? Because we can't look at it during the tournament. Yeah. So you just shut it off then. And and usually all of your movers and shakers are done by then anyway, but just shut it off. We can't look at it. And if we tried to, it would be gone. Uh, I would like that better. Um, but the bad thing is, is – most guys are just going to call somebody and say, okay, what was Bass Track like, you know? But still, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, I did look that time just because, gosh, I just – I mean, I picked my phone up and put it down. I, I just – I had to because I wanted to know how close it was if I even had a chance or if I was building myself up. And, you know, I've won a lot of tournaments over the years, and one of the things that in winning a lot of them, I usually knew – before I got on stage, if I won or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the Sabine, I really didn't, but I, I kind of had an idea though to Hartwell, I didn't think I did. So, you know, the reaction that you seen that you, that everybody saw from me, I mean, that was surprise for me as well, you know? Uh, so, and I think that's what makes, makes it so special is when we have those close events like that. And so much is on the line. Nobody knows who you're going to win. Uh, I don't know. I see positive and negative, but if they just shut it down, you know, at check-in time, I think that would help some. Yeah. And you're, you're right. You're going to get told. I mean, you're going to get told by media. You're going to get told by everybody you run into, but, but you, gotta, you don't I have a device to bass. hold. I got to defend bass and, and this. Okay. That bass track being wrong created a lot of drama. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, yeah, it did. But it would have created the exact same amount of drama if they turned it off a check-in. You just, sure. you know what I mean? It would have been the same with everybody. I just, I hate having something for somebody to look at and start doing the numbers. You know what I mean? All you need is just a little bit of doubt. Just just give us a half hour or something. I, I think it's, it's just, I just think it's really important. I mean, obviously, it's 
big part of my job, but I think it's important for the sport because that's the only time in this sport you experience what you experienced. Like you never experience on the water. I don't care how big the flotilla is. You know, it's not that arena feeling with an arena just jumping to their feet because, you know, you won. And and I think um, I just think it's one of the, the coolest things about our sport. So we'll see. I mean, they don't listen to me a lot, but they might listen to you. You're the you're the Bassmaster Classic champion. I can see both sides, but I, I do like the suspense. I mean, the perfect scenario is we just can't look at it. I mean, I'd be fine with that. All right, no more. And and I want to make that clear. We can't look at it throughout the day. Yeah. You know, what happens is when I'll tell you when I look at it, in most cases, it's whenever I get up there and I'm in the bag or at the tank line, you know, I'll look at it. And uh there's times that I don't, but that if I do look at it, that's the only time. So I look yeah. at it about halfway into the drive back to Hartwell, which or back to Greenville, which was an hour. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was weird because nobody texts me. Nobody called me. One person texted me, Prosnick. He's like, what you got, bub? What, <laughs> no, he said, what you really got, bub? And I didn't respond to any of that. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. That's weird that nobody texted you. All of a sudden, for the first time, probably that week, all of a sudden, <laughs> quietness. I, I think because everybody would thought that I that I'd probably lost. Yeah. But if, I, if, I, if they had thought that I'd won, I think it would have been, ding, ding, you know, good job or or, you know, you had a good day, but not a single text other than Prosny. Weird. Weird. It, uh, and then it's like you got shocked by lightning. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you went from this bewildered wondering for an hour while you're driving and dealing with, you know, doing interviews for media and everything and your way in. And then all of a sudden, boom. And one of the cool things I've heard you talk about in other podcasts is something that I never thought another individual on earth ever paid attention to, but me that split second between the score coming up and it being official, like that's panic mode because I'm always like if I read this wrong and say the wrong thing and then I heard you tell the story you're like I started jumping before Mercer said anything and I wondered what if I read it wrong dude if you if, I bet you I always wondered do you know do I read the numbers or do I read the angler's reaction like if, it, if you reacted wrong I might have just announced you as the champ anyways because it's it's hard to believe like that millisecond it's like time slows down and I can only imagine what it's like from your standpoint I think my arm was already here before you said anything. Like I was, cause yeah, no, I was just, I had that. I want to look, but I don't want to look, but everybody knows where the box is. Everybody knows. And when I saw 17, nine and then, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. So my vision's not as great as it used to be, but I thought, what if it was 17, three, you know, instead of nine or, or <laughs> I thought, but not at the time, but I saw 17, nine. I'm telling you, I could have I could have ran through a concrete wall off that stage and and uh, right through a wall. Uh, it, it was awesome to watch. Um, it was it, to me one of the perfect. What? Oh, I was oh, oh you're water. communicating there. Oh, you're parched. All right. Well, get the champ some water. Somebody, please. Craft services. Yeah. <laughs> water. <laughs> what What does it? Um, winning this event. And your uh, Cherokee heritage does that is that does that stand out to you as a? I mean, I don't know statistically. Are you the 
first native angler to win the classic? I, think I believe. So. I, I, I think, think so. I would think so. I know that. Um, I think so. I, you know, that's the first time I've thought about that. Uh, but I, I think that you're right. There could be some, but I, no, I mean, I would be surprised if there was somebody else. I'm trying to think of the past winners, but yeah, no. I, don't, I don't think that there is anybody. I mean, Rick Clum, maybe a little bit, but yeah, I- <laughs> he, he might be, honestly. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of some of the young or some of the, the guys in like the 70s and 80s, but uh, you know, the only one that I could really think of that used to fish bass, he never won the classic, was Marty Fourkiller uh, from just down the road here. And he was probably more uh, Cherokee than me. Uh, but no, I, I don't think, unless it's, unless Clun has a little Indian blood in him, I don't think it's been anybody else. Does the fact that I'm the first person to bring that up to you, uh, like over a month since you won it, does that prove how messed up our world is right now? <laughs> like yeah. 10 years ago, that would have been, and now everybody's so worried to say anything that would offend anybody except on this show, because we, we figure we've offended yeah. people already. But um, I, I think that's something incredible. Like, I think that's, you know, that's going to inspire generations to come. Right. You know, and, and, so many messages, uh, you know, on the posts and texts and stuff like that. And a lot of the texts I got, you know, are from people around here, Cherokees and stuff. And, and they might be in Oklahoma, they might be in New York, but there was all, you know, there'd be a lot of those, Hey, you did us proud and stuff like that. So I knew it. I mean, I knew that, I mean, I had a lot of support from that group, but I never really thought about the first, uh, you know, native American to win. Cherokee, I know for sure, probably Cherokee, but I'm, you know, Native American. Uh, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations. Another accolade you didn't understand, didn't know that you had. Speaking of awkward, I had an awkward exchange, and I don't know if I've explained it to you yet, but so, you know part of it, because you were there for part of it. So, Takumi, did did you hear this? (laughs) Oh, I was, I I heard the second part of it, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I felt horrible because they told me it was whoever does it. So uh, we brought Takumi up and that's what they said. They said it'll either be Takumi or Christy. And it's the person who doesn't win that gets this. And it sounded kind of weird to me, but I'm like, whatever. I mean, maybe there's some other. Uh, So I feel really bad that you you took Takumi's money. I don't feel bad. (laughs) I don't feel bad at all. Yeah, I remember I was at the champagne toast and somebody said something and I was like, no, I know the rules of that stuff. And I don't think that's, um, but it may have been different in the classic. I'll be honest with you. That was the last thing I was worried about at the time. You know, I was like, if he needs that, he can, you know, it matter. Yeah. But, uh, I actually um, did the picture today. So I know that I got the check. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, no. And just to remind you how awkward I can be, it was me that brought up the champions toast. I still didn't know. Like you're, you're standing there. If you and Takumi were taking a picture, Takumi said, Hey, will you take the picture for me? And I'm like, and I'm like, Hey, you want them 20 grand. And that was when it all came down Man, crashing. You like, what? Yeah. It, it was the perfect storm of stupidity. What happened on the stage happened. And then just by luck, me and Takumi are walking into the hotel at the same time after way. And then I'm like, Takumi, you won. And he's like, I won. I <laughs> so it was horrible. I feel bad. I feel 
feel bad, but Takumi will be fine. He'll he'll be fine. And um, sorry for putting you in a weird situation like that. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Won't be. It's not the first. Won't be the last. Okay. Well, speaking of that, I, I want to take this in a different direction, if you're willing. Okay. There's something, and I've done some research on it, and it's part of your heritage. And uh, if you're willing to talk about it. The little people of Cherokee. I mean, if you Google that, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a lot of different stories and tales that come up. It's part of your heritage. Is it something you're willing to talk about? Yeah. I mean, we can, we can, uh, it depends on what your question is. Oh, you just want me to like give you my explanation of it? Oh, yeah. But what, what is that? What is it to you? Um, so, you know, a lot of those stories and things like that, no matter what culture you come from, are, are um, you know, for different reasons. There's, there's always usually a reason behind it. And I think about the little people uh, as something that probably started a long time ago whenever, you know, there was teepees and stuff like that and, and uh, bad things in the woods. And I think maybe that the older people told the kids that, you know, there's, you know, little people out there. You just need to be where they wouldn't go out there and walk off. You know, that would be my uh, thinking. But, you know, where the little people kind of comes from is, you know, they live in the woods and, you know, they're little people and there's good and there's bad. Uh, You know, it's just something that is in the culture of the of the Cherokees. And maybe, you know, I don't know about the rest of, is it just Cherokee when you Google it or is it? From my research, it's just Cherokee. I mean, that's. Um, I think it might be, uh, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if another tribe didn't have something else, you know, uh, yeah. kind of down the same line. So, yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot of different things out there. Um, some good, some bad, as far as the tales you know, in the woods and things like that. I remember when I was a kid, you know, we'd be walking the dirt roads at midnight or something like that. And, you know, you see a flash through the trees and, you know, you have four or five buddies and the buddy in the back, you go, Oh, that's a hilt of billy, gilly, gilly, gilly. And you just take off running because you don't even know what he's talking about. So we, we as kids could have made up half of the stories that were out there. So. Do you have any experiences with it? I've never seen one personally, like uh, in the woods deer hunting or anything. But, you know, as as I get older, you know, I see my dad, you know, he's I think he turned 70 this year. Um, as he as he's gotten older and I think as, as I get older, too, you you know, history becomes more and your culture becomes more of you of who you are. I don't know why that is, but you are. But. You know, there's been some things that there's there's a cool story. I've only told a few Shannon's sitting over here laughing at me. But so my dad had five brothers. Yeah, five brothers and a sister. But anyway, um, two of those brothers are gone. One of them uh, was very uh, instrumental in my fishing. I mean, like he took me fishing, taught me a lot about fishing. He's gone now. But and then the other one. He didn't fish so much. He was kind of like the little bit of everything, but he was really involved in all of that stuff. 
Okay. He, he, he lived by himself. And for some reason he was more involved than, than a lot of people. And I remember in 2012 going into the 13 season, I'm getting ready to leave that the next morning, like at seven o'clock, I'm leaving for the first tournament. And my uncle, and he's one of those guys, you know, I, I loved him like everybody else did, but he's one of those guys when he calls, you like look at the phone, you're like, God, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want, you know, I, sometimes you want to sit and talk to him for an hour and you're like, I don't want to call. I don't want to talk to him. So anyway, my kids are in bed. You know, they're, they're younger. They're in bed. It's a school night. And he calls me. And I, I put the phone down. And then a little bit later, he texts me and he says, Hey, he said, I just, <laughs> he said, I just went outside and talked to and had a talk with the little people. And he said that, um, if you go get something from your kids and, and keep it on your person the rest of the year that you're going to win three tournaments that I had won one up until this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm going to go from one to three. So I literally, like, I, I remember reading the text, and forever I kept the text on my phone. Uh, but I ended up dropping it in the lakes, and that was before all the backup stuff. So I lost that text. But I remember reading it and just laying it down, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, after five or ten minutes, I'm like, can't hurt anything, you know? I mean, like, you've won one. So yeah. let's see. So I remember going up to my oldest – and she was still awake. She was studying. I'm like, hey, I need something, anything that you got that I can keep in my pocket. And she, I don't remember the order. One of them gave me like a little medallion or something. And I just take that. I go to the next one. She's still awake. She gives me a little keychain. And my youngest, she's already asleep. I literally like wake her up. She's, I was like, I need, I need something small. Well, it worked out where she gave me something and one of them had a keychain, but I could put the other two on the keychain and hook it together and I could keep it in my pocket. And I still have that. Uh, I'll finish that later. But yeah, I kept that in my pocket religiously uh, while I was fishing. And that year I won three tournaments. Wow. Yeah, I won uh, an elite series. The next week I won an FLW. And then a month later I won another FLW on Grant. So, I mean, and it was weird because religiously kept that on me. And at the end of the year, I didn't know if that luck would carry on to the next year or if, uh, if I needed to get something new. So I just, I would keep that in one pocket. And then that year I went up and got uh, something new and kept it for the next year. And my sister at the time was making jewelry. I think after the next year, she took all of those and melted it down and made it into one. So I didn't have so many things in my pocket. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and what I remember out of all of that was, and I think this might've been the purpose of doing that, is I would be out there on the water and you know, you're, you're going crazy, you're trying to catch a bass. And then you, all of a sudden, you just stop and you're, I mean, you don't stop fishing, but you just stop going crazy. And you're like, 
you know, you kind of put your hand in your pocket and you're like, I got, I got the luck in my pocket, you know, it, it just calm down. Everything's going to be fine. But it would just, it would just, at the times that I would be the craziest, it would just slow me down and kind of put me in slow motion. And I don't know, that's, uh, but yeah, I did it. But let me tell you, I also did it like in 16 and 17 and I didn't win three tournaments. So, uh, <laughs> it just so happened that it worked out that time, but yeah. Well, he never said you were going to win three tournaments every year if you do yeah, it. I mean, he just, said, he just said that year, but you know, I didn't tell anybody about that for a while. I mean, I told you know a close friend here, a close friend there, and then Zona and I were shooting a show, and I told Zona about it, uh, and he just like we were actually kind of in the area where you would think there would be a lot of them. I mean, real river bottom looking fishing and stuff and you know you can kind of see him start looking around crazy uh so i haven't told a lot of people about that well and i'll be honest i mean zona was the conduit obviously where i kind of started and he told me about it several years ago and and at the time he was like man this is don't like i mean you know me and zona we bring up everything and make everything a joke but but I mean, as I did research on it, and I, and I'll be honest, I, you also know I always say at the beginning of these podcasts, I ask two questions: anything you do want to talk about, anything you don't want to talk about. This is the first topic I ever approached someone and said, "Will you talk about this?" Because I do think it's, I think if you look at the history, and I mean that story in itself, it's a, it is there is some pretty amazing stuff. Whether you know and and. Whenever you bring up something like that, people turn it into a, do you believe in this or that? And I mean, you know, what's, what's funny about that is I, I never responded to him. I never called him. No, I mean, I never, I never texted him and said, Hey, I went and done it. Like I just, and he never said anything else about it either. So did he really talk to him? Or did he just say that? I mean, maybe he was joking and he's just like, I'm just going to see if he'll do this. You know, I don't know. Cause I never asked him about it. I mean, we had that kind of relationship where I would see him deer hunting and you know, you, how many deer do you see? Okay. All right. Well, see you tomorrow. And, and it wasn't how, you know, what'd you get for groceries this week? It was just, it was that kind. Uh, so I never really, you know, that's why I didn't answer his call at nine 30 at night is I didn't know if he was going to be one of those, really long conversations, you know, what yeah. you're talking about or one of those short ones. So yeah, it's uh pretty was, crazy. Was that the same year you won the elite and you like had a phantom school of fish just appear in front of you, like went from 10th place and they had to make it the, the tournament was yep. actually like a crime scene reenactment, like yeah. short of having Tommy Sanders walk out in a trench coat and a pipe and be like, here's where it all happened. They had to reenact it because no, because you had a group. Of, can you tell that story? Like what, what happened that day? Because well, they I only know the trailer side. Yeah. When everybody's they, panicked. They made it more dramatic than what it was. That school of fish had been there, but the first three days of the tournament, we had like crazy conditions. So they never, they might've been schooling, but you never, they never came to the top. And the last day we just finally had the right conditions and then they came up. But I, What's funny after that event, that was my first elite series win. And I'm like, get, I come off the stage and I get in my truck to drive home and Zona calls. And I answer and I'm like, hello. 
and he's just quiet. He's like, man, he goes, I'm sorry. Like just quiet. And I was like, what, what's wrong? He goes, we didn't have a camera with you. You know, that's back whenever they only had four yeah. cameras. And he said, we don't have a clue how we're going to do this TV show. He goes, I don't know. I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. That's not how we do it at Bass, all that kind of stuff. And I pretty much just told him, I don't care what you do because I got blue trophy <laughs> and a hundred grand. You can do whatever you need to do. TV show is the last of my worries. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that show was, and everybody else knew it too. I mean, I had buddies calling, dude, that, that wasn't you. Those weren't your, uh, everybody. Knew it, so. they, <laughs> well, they, they did the best with what they had to work with though. Yeah. I mean, we've never shown more footage of a boat being trailered up to a way. And I mean, it kept flashing back to you and, but what else are you going to do? I mean, that's, that's all they had and they did move a camera to you. But by that point, I think you only caught like one other fish and it was a small one and yeah. the damage was done. Hey, one of the coolest things that happened that day is my marshal's sitting there and dude, it happened fast. Yeah. And I literally have 18 something. I have a live well full and there's nobody around. It's so fun. There's, there's fish blowing up for five, not 500, but 300 yards. Just the, the whole top 10 could have fished in there and everybody would have caught 15 pounds. Wow. But somebody, whoever's in charge of calling, calls my marshal and, and he has it on speaker. He says, hello. He goes, hey, this is so-and-so. Um, you entered wrong in Bass Track. You got Christy at 18-something. And uh, he goes, no, it's right. He, cause up into that point, the biggest stringer was like 13 or something like that. Maybe 14. Yeah. No, he's got at least 18 already. And you can just hear him go, Oh, you know, <laughs> and hung up. And then of course the closest boat was like 40 miles from me. Cause I was the only one way up the river. So everybody else was in that other arm. I, I remember being in the trailer that day. Um, and it, it because it happened so fast. I mean, it was it was a bigger bang than we'd seen all week, and it happened so fast. And it, then the initial thought is, well, so he's intent. The guys ahead of him, if they're going to catch him, and they weren't, and it was just a, a fire drill. But it's all part of the. I think it adds to the fable that is Jason Christie. I mean, that's what makes Gerald Swindle say that you, you know, see a puff of smoke and fall. I got to tell you a story. All right. Have you seen Wesley Strader's podcast? I'm not podcast, but his post about the cedar limb. No. So, you know, Wesley, uh, it's been five or six years ago. We were somewhere. I don't remember where it's at, but he literally, I don't know how well you know him, but you know, he, he just come up and just as serious as he'd be. He's like, Chrissy, he's like, just tell me how, how do you catch so many bass? What's his words? And I was like, you know, I don't know. He goes, well, you just, he's like, I'm not catching them that good. And, uh, do you ever get like that? And what do I need to do to get better? And I literally just turned to him. I was like, well, at home, you know, whenever I'm not catching them, I say, I just light a big fire and I burn uh, wet cedar and I take my clothes off and I dance over it, dancing the smoke and literally walked off and didn't say anything else to him. And about, I don't know, a month ago, right before the classic, probably, 
he does a video on social media and he's got uh, a fire going with smoke and he's like walking himself through it, going to dance in it. He didn't take his clothes off, obviously, but uh, yeah, it was funny that he remembered all of that. <laughs> but, and that's one of the things that he would always say whenever I'd see him, like, hey, there any cedars around here so I could burn one and catch more bass? But it's kind of uh, funny. Swindle keeps us... Swindle keeps me laughing out there. He, you never know what that guy's going to say. No, it, he's, it, he's a lot of fun. And, uh, it, it's, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Wesley did that before. I don't think he waited five years, dude. If you're being honest, I mean, that's just, it took him five years to make a social media post out of it. I'm sure he's been out there naked dancing a time. I mean, people will do anything. I mean, anglers are never superstitious. But if you talk to them, you're like, uh, you tied up to the same spot. I noticed you launch in the same order. Like they're, they're very superstitious. Um, so before we leave the little people, have they been, it, was it just that time where you've ever. Yeah. I mean, as far as something that cool, nobody told you we're going to win the classic or anything like that. No, no. I think that. Um, I don't want to say going into it. I just, I mean, I felt good about it. I didn't think that I really did until I, you know, I've watched some of the videos and stuff. I watched the video that Bass posted, you know, and just the, I don't know, there was just something different that week about me than in the past. And I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, I just feel like I was, I was dialed in on, you know, up here. There was nothing else going on and and uh, just worried about fishing. You were definitely in a different place. I mean, dude, I, I felt it all week. Like, I, you were the first, you didn't even know this, but you were the first person I saw when I pulled up to the hotel when I got in town on Monday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or Tuesday, I think it was, Tuesday morning. And normally I would holler at you, whatever, but, like, you were going to your truck to get something. And I even watched you that, there. I'm like dude's going to war this week. Like you really did feel like, I mean, you see different attitudes at that point of the week. I mean, it's early in the week. You're not fishing that day, but I think you could feel that vibe from you all week long. And, and, and that's what I think everybody saw when it was all done. It was the biggest, it, on me on the stage, it felt like the biggest sigh of relief in the history of mankind. Cause you were just like, and I felt it too, dude, because trust me, I, you traumatized my ass. You know how, I mean, it feels horrible to have to step over me to leave the stage, but do you know what it feels like to be laying back like a dramatic idiot yelling about another guy and seeing your leg step over me? I was, I was worried that you wouldn't win it. So I think that entire arena felt that, you know what I mean? And, and, Ultimately, it's kind of the story that we've talked about several times. All of those close ones built this story. Um, Do you feel that now that it's done? Absolutely. Like it. There was a reason I didn't win, you know, a long time ago. It just, I don't think I would ever appreciate as much as what I do now. You know, being there, being close and having so much on the line you know, and things changing, it just, you know, you always wonder when things happen that aren't good. It's just, it's supposed to happen. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I was supposed to leave. 
because now I'm back like where I want to be. Um, I just know that, that I've been over, I know where I want to be and I know, you know, how hard it is to win the classic and then to finally do it. I mean, it's just, it's, it was all supposed to happen just like it happened. I know that's, that's weird to say. I mean, but it, it just was, it wouldn't be as special as what it was. I mean, there, I saw it in the people's eyes in the, in the arena, you know, whenever I drove around and, and even just the bass staff, uh, just everybody that it was, people can walk up and shake your hand and say, man, you did a good job. And then people can walk up and shake your hand and you can look in their eyes and know that they sincerely, you know, their eyes are teared up and they sincerely just like, you know, I could, and that's what made it special. The whole thing was just everybody was super excited for that. And I, I think the biggest thing they're like, gosh, if he doesn't win, he's going to drive off the dam. So yeah. Well, well like that too. I, I kind of told myself that last day, I think more so driving. Like if I, God, if I don't win this one, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to have that many chances. You just don't have that many chances. You know, I don't care how good you are. First, you got to make it to the classic and then you got to make it to the last day. And on that last day, you have to be a contender to win. That's not easy to do all three of those together. So you don't have that many chances, even if you're a great fisherman. So, uh, man, I was glad that one worked out. One last thing I want to mention, because for me personally, it was one of the coolest moments. And I think it was one of the coolest moments for you, too, because what you just mentioned stood out to me. You can see the truth on somebody's in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys who I'm so happy to have a tight relationship with and is is Bob Cobb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm standing with Bob Cobb at the bar. And and when I got to introduce you guys. You know, and then I saw your reaction to, I mean, you just won the Bassmaster Classic and you're like, that's Bob Cobb. To have him introduce, I mean, I think was an amazing moment for, I hope everybody in that room, but it had, you know, what did that mean to you? To His voice is just, he's just such an amazing man. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't realize the impression that he had on me and just being, you know, the voice of the show back then, but you know, before DVR days, I mean, the show came on, I think at nine o'clock on Sunday mornings and you yeah. either watched it or you missed it, but you knew that voice. And no matter what you were doing, if you were in your bedroom or wherever, when you heard that voice come on TV, you know, you knew what was, what was following it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I never missed a show that I, you know, I, I never did something else. I, I may have had to, you know, my parents may have had me doing something, but I always watched that show. And I can remember I probably, I was probably nine or 10. And I remember setting my alarm or setting an alarm for the show on Sunday. And I get up and, and literally running there and, and jumping. And that's back in the day where you had to walk up to the TV and turn the dial on, you know, you turn the dial and, and it's going off. The show is going off. And I'm like, I would start crying because uh, I had missed it and I couldn't figure out what it was, but what had happened is the time had changed. Oh no. Yeah. So I got the tail end of the show and I remember crying, but you just knew when that voice and, 
And uh, I mean, in my head, I can think of so many introductions to the show that you match his voice voice with, like Larry Nixon, you know, fighting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can just so many of it and, and things like that. You know, back then I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't even think about being a professional fisherman back then. Just, gosh, he just, he did so much to make me want to go fishing and be out there, you know. Just, he's just cool, the old rough, raspy, and, you know, it was really proud. I was proud that he introduced me, even though that night I was the 2020 Bassmaster Classic. And he got the year wrong, but, uh, you know, the voice did it, and it sounded really cool. I won't ever forget that. I, and I think somebody, I think Polnick got it on video. So. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. If not, I'll get Bob to call you up and say it to you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll set up a call or something. Um He's an amazing man, and it was amazing to be able to. I mean, I watched him all. I mean, what the what the world doesn't know is is bass fishing saved his life multiple times. You know what I mean? Like it made his life. But Bob lost his wife several years ago, and he went in a real bad space, and and that's why he wrote the book. And that's it's so cool to see. You know, I, he was in the bass booth all week. And so every time I was in the expo uh, on doing live, he's sitting there signing his book. And you're just like, man, the guy's got the energy to like stay up with all these people. But but it's 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 the classic. I mean, it's a magical event for for you winning it, for him coming back to it. It's um, it's a fun thing to be part of. But uh, Jason Christie, I appreciate you being open with me here today. You're always open with me, but uh I think we talked about some different stuff. I didn't think we could because you've been on every freaking podcast in the history of mankind, yeah. but uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we, uh, and I don't mean that it, it, to be clear, because when you say something, people will be like, Oh dude, I know you would have done a podcast right, right away. If we wanted to, it, you know, if I pushed for, but I was, it's the hard, I see what you guys go through and I'm like, I feel bad for keeping you on a podcast tonight because yeah. it, it's nuts. What happens when you win the Bassmaster Classic, but um, I think it gets even better if you win too. So, ooh, that'd be so much fun. And that's the that's the whenever I was being drove home from the champagne toast by my friend, I remember that's the first thing I got in the truck. I shut the door. I looked back at the trophy and I told Cooper, I was like, "Dude, I gotta, I gotta have some more of that." Like I, you know, after watching, after being a part of that night, you know, and and all of what happened, I was just like. I want me some more of that. Hey, one last question now. Like, what did Hank Cherry say to you when he? Do you remember what he said to you? I always wonder what, or do you not want to? No, I, I remember. Uh, so in the in the boatyard, he asked me. He he walked up and he's like, "What do you got?" I was like, "I don't know, sixteen and a half." I said, "Honestly, I haven't even looked at." Him. And he was walking off, and uh, you know. I wanted, I wanted to talk to somebody and I wanted something to happen. I wanted to know is what yeah. I wanted. And I was like, dude, you can look at them if you want to, you know, you can go back there and look at them. And he goes back and he looks at a few of them and he kind of looks at me. He goes, you care if I weigh one? I was like, I don't care. So he weighs one. And, uh, all he did after he weighed them was walk by and pat me on the back. And I was like, what do you think? And he just, Kept on walking. And then whenever he uh, come on the stage and he gave me the trophy, if I remember right, he pretty much said, I told or I knew that you had it. 
from looking at him earlier. So, and he's, you know, said good job and that kind of stuff. It's an awesome experience. And um, I thank you for sharing a little bit of it with us. And uh, I'll see you soon. Yeah. I'll see, see yeah. you soon. Inter- I'll be- Too soon. Oh, well. I, I I will be counting the moments to see you. Obviously, I feel a little different. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Bassmaster Classic champion, whether it be 2020 or 2022, he is your champion, Jason Christie. Did I tell you that show would go in a different direction? I got to thank Jason Christie for being so open and so honest. And I think my favorite part of the entire show was when he talked about not seeing the confetti, so much stuff going on and he didn't even see the confetti. That just shows you what a mind melting pressure breaking event winning the Bassmaster classic is. And, um, Jason Christie is an awesome, awesome human, an awesome angler and an awesome Bassmaster classic champion. And I hope, You think this has been a somewhat awesome chat because I really enjoyed it and I hope to see you back here again in the future. Every Wednesday, putting hump in your hump day, the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast called Mercer. Take it away, Uncle Bob. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?